1: Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Stephanie D. Philippus. Stephanie is a perinatal mental health therapist in Illinois. She owns a group therapy practice called Crescent Moon Therapy, where they specialize in working with individuals throughout the reproductive period. You can find her on her website or Instagram linked in the show notes. In today's episode, we talk about the concept of the invisible village here in America and how important it is to have community support throughout motherhood. We chat about what our ideal community support system would look like and how you can cultivate your own at home. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello everyone. Today I have Stephanie D. Philippis here on the podcast. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So I am excited to talk with you today about something that we are both pretty passionate about. And I can't wait to see where the conversation takes us. You know, as a mom, I didn't really realize the problems in America when it comes to motherhood until I was pretty deep into it, to be honest. It's almost as if you just don't see it until you've had kids. I don't know if you can kind of agree with that. Like I just didn't realize like all the lacking that we have here in America when it comes to, you know, obviously paid leave, but things like, you know, support for childcare and how it's so incredibly expensive to even put our kids in so that we can work. Feel, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. how we're supported postpartum, it's atrocious and I just it's it continues every day to bewilder me like how incredibly unsupported mothers are here in America and how we don't have that support system that we need. So I can't wait to talk to you today about how things kind of function elsewhere (laughs) and how we can try to build that for ourselves within this country and make ourselves feel a little bit more supported. Yeah, I love that. And I couldn't agree with you more. Why don't we start off with Give us some examples of, you know, how women around the world give birth in a different type of culture that helps support the mom and the child.
0: Yeah. So I am someone who I love this topic so much and, you know, it's a topic I talk about with so many of my clients and in my practice all the time. It's just this like massive feeling of being unsupported professionally, personally, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, the million dollar question is, well, how do I create my support system? And I love taking that as an opportunity to kind of like educate people and go back to like how things were even years and years Mm -hmm. ago, right? I think it speaks to so much like how, as we've evolved as a culture and like how we've kind of gotten to where we are. And two sort of cultures that I like to highlight are the Native American culture in general and then an in Indian culture, because they have these sort of structures that are called matrilineal, meaning that they, the descent is traced through the mother rather mm-hmm. than the father, which is super cool. So kids get like the mother's name versus the father's name, which also means the women get the land, mm-hmm. they get the homes, they get the animals, right? And like this sort of structure set up yeah. women for success because they knew and they could bank on like the security of having mm-hmm. their needs met. Versus now, that's like completely opposite. We don't, we really don't get, if we get some leave paid, that's amazing, but it's usually Mm -hmm. not much at all. It's usually unpaid. And there is not this sort of security or insurance in place that like, you're gonna be set and your kids Mm -hmm. are gonna be taken care of. Those two cultures, like I said, have that sort of matrilineal descent that I think is super cool, but they also have this idea of like, collective responsibility when it comes to caregiving not only for pregnant and postpartum women but also like the child themselves right so like extended families or the communities themselves often would help with like household chores childcare and other responsibility to sort of mm-hmm. ease the burden that happened now <laughs> in the same sense right like there is such a large expectation that the woman should be able to do it all and I think we as a society are like trying to emphasize, well, it's okay to ask for help, but the systems in place don't make it feel like it's okay to ask for help.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, some of these communities and you read about them that, you know, these women, they give birth and we, I mean, we could obviously talk forever about like the healthcare aspect where they have the opportunity to have like a midwife or, someone come visit them at their house and they get yes. supported in that way. So like that, that physical health component, but the mental health component, you know, there's like these cultures that, you know, you have your baby and then they wait on you and it's, yes. Oh, you don't need to take, yeah, sure. You could nurse the baby if you wanted to, but we are here to like support you and make food for you and watch the baby for you. And
0: we're, Nourish the yeah. Body, and here right? in
1: America, we give birth and then in 24 hours we're kicked out of the hospital by ourselves <laughs> and most of the time our partners are not given paternity leave or you know partner leave depending on your relationship and they're you know you're you're literally just on your own like solo and that continues it irks me more and more every day because no one i'm sure i I think what what makes me so angry about this is that there's a few people in the world who will be like, "Oh, well, it's motherhood. like you'll just snap right into it and you'll just mm-hmm. automatically know what to do. That drives me crazy because sure, I think you know that's how we've evolved because if we didn't do the things we did, like fed our baby and and you know et cetera, we would have never gotten to this point in evolution but however <laughs> You know, having a support system that is crucial. Like, you don't need to be in the middle of the woods by yourself, like it's, you know, 400 BC, you know? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Which it, there is no difference. We're just in a house, maybe if we're lucky, you know, but we are by ourselves. Yeah. And the significant mental health impacts on that, I mean, is just astronomical.
0: Yeah, they're astronomical. astronomical. Oh, <laughs> ditto. Yes. Well, you know, I think too, like I have had the privilege, I've worked in a hospital system, we've worked with OBQINs, and I've seen sort of like the ins and outs of that mm-hmm. business, right? And and I think that's what's changed so much about midwifery and OB, OB care is that it has become such of a business that people are being churned in and out of these systems and who is getting mm-hmm. failed in mm-hmm. that. It's the mother because she is being treated just like a number. And I and I I truly to my core don't believe that that is the impression that like providers want to give off, but it's the system that they have had mm-hmm. to become a part of that mm-hmm. has just sort of cultivated this dynamic that makes it virtually impossible for them. How can you provide the care you want when you're only talking yeah. to them for yeah. 10 minutes?
1: And you like you said, I mean, this is not, I could talk to, you know, 10 OBGYNs right now. And that will all say the same thing. Like they wish it wasn't this way, you know, but yeah, I mean, and, and similarly in my position as a PA, I have more time with my patients than the physician. And as a like, I've always gone to a practice that had midwives and I have loved every one that I have, you know, been a patient of, like I, I have loved my experience and I just think there's so much missing here. And a total side tangent to this. I'd love to discuss this with you really briefly. So, there's this place that one of my readers reached out to me about, and it's like a postnatal retreat. Have you heard of this? <gasps> yes. In New York? Now. Yes. I, I have mean, heard of it. Totally genius. Everything about it, I was like, this is amazing, yeah. except for the fact that, hello, who can afford this? No one. I know. That's the biggest barrier. One hundred percent, and insurance is not going to pay for that. No one, hell to the no, no, they will not. And you know, I don't, I can't remember exactly how much it. I so it was like
0: it was a few thousand thousand dollars, yeah. And
1: you know, for a week or something, I think it would have been like four or five thousand dollars. I don't know, something like that, right? But you go in, and from what the impression I got is, you go in with your baby, and there's a uh, a baby area where your baby is cared for and loved by you know these medical providers. I think they're medical providers. Mm. Yeah. Um, And and you can sleep and rest and they make you these nutritious, amazing meals. And there's these areas where you can go and talk with other moms that just had their baby. So I feel like that Mm. honestly, in and of itself is probably the most effective and best thing about it is that you get to make friends with people that have had babies at the exact same time as you. And you get to connect in that way, and I think yeah. that that's yeah the and
0: support. Yeah, the super beginning. lacking.
1: I mean, it's I mean you can go to like breastfeeding support groups and like baby support groups, and I guess that would be similar. But not all towns have that, and you might have to drive like forty five, and that's an inconvenience already. Yeah, yeah, and it's house. cool. They had like. <laughs> Like classes that you can take on certain different topics. Like I'm sure they have a breastfeeding one. I'm sure they have, um, you know, mental health. Yeah, mental health. Super look for. Cool. Yes. Super super cool. But I mean, yeah.
0: You know who actually has places like that that are just like part of the package that you get is in. Like, oh, I'm Sweden sure. Oh, I'm general. sure. Like that's they not surprising. That. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You like go to? It's essentially a hotel, and you go after you give birth, and like. You're taking care of. There's resources for you also and free? your baby. And on top of that, you yeah, it's free. And on top of that, you get 12 months off. That is so brutal. All subsidized. Yeah, by the totally government. free.
1: Unbelievable. That's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah. So I guess we know the yeah. models exist, right? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's more of as a society where mm-hmm. our values lie and where we're willing to invest. Yeah, invest our our and and. We put more value on the baby than the
1: mother. Mm, You think? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And who raises that baby? You know, if we're not investing in the mom, what are we investing in? There's no baby without a mom who's healthy physically and mentally. Holistically healthy. Yes. Yes, Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. Is there anything that you've found kind of along the way that has been super intriguing to you, like as far as different cultures and what they do as far as like child rearing postpartum?
0: Child rearing, I mean, I, I'm like fascinated by the Native American culture. I just think that obviously we're occupying their land mm-hmm. all over this country and they have so many rituals and cultural birth experiences that are part of, you know, the process of like this transformative time, which is often mm-hmm. referred to as matriescence. Have you ever yes, heard of I that have. word? Yeah. So it's this idea of when a baby's born, mm-hmm. a woman is also born and i i find that when it comes to like child rearing the rituals around it that stem from pregnancy and postpartum like evolve mm-hmm. with the woman and there the idea is the kids that you have are all part of the same tribe there's not just one one mom that's responsible mm-hmm. for this child like we take care of them collectively as a as a tribe as a society right like and i think that's so beautiful because The way that we are set up now is so isolating. Like, oh, well, that's your problem, right? Like, that's your Mm -hmm. kid. Like, figure it out. I I can't Mm -hmm. handle that. Versus, like, approaching it. No, like, here are the – that's really hard. Here are the resources. If I can help you, I'm going to help you. And I don't feel like systems are set up for that successful past traditional Mm -hmm. places have been. Yeah.
1: It's so interesting. It's like, what – where did we start to draw away from that? Like, I wonder if you studied history, because I've, like you said, I mean that yeah. was always the case. I mean, even sure, like women didn't have many rights at all when you know in the 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. But but we had community. Like you hear stories from your grandparents, yeah. great grandparents of, oh, my neighbors would watch my kids while I went grocery shop. You know, and it was 100%. it wasn't even. Susie on the corner is going to make sure that yes, you don't go too yes. far? Yes, And they would check in know? on you, and and <laughs> I think we do try, right? We do try. Like I, I, my neighbor um, just gave birth, and I set her up a meal train, and of course, you know, offering all these things. And I think we try, but I, I don't, I don't think it's it's the moms that are trying, and 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 the moms that recently, you know, have yeah. younger children. Those are the ones everybody else kind of like forgot about like being a mom and what it's like and, and oh, I need to support this person, right? And depending if you live in a neighborhood or you don't, yeah. because I feel like living in a neighborhood with people that really truly care about you is, is so important. And it used to be very common, right? To live in a neighborhood and check in on your neighbors and help mm-hmm. them out and snowplow their driveways. And I feel like we've lost so much of that in the past, like, 20, 30, 40 years. And we really, like, in the neighborhood we live in, I feel so, so, so thankful that we live in a neighborhood that is very much that way. And, you know, we have, like, a huge group text. And we are like, oh, the power's out. Like, who needs what? And I can't tell you just the feeling of feeling like you're part of that community. And if you don't feel like you're part of a Mm -hmm. community, you feel very alone. And... and using, you know, epidemic, I hate when people say like, oh, it's an epidemic, but it really, like that feeling of aloneness. I mean, people have never felt more alone than they do now, you know, and we have more resources than ever. Resources as in like, you know, like I can easily go onto the internet and research anything. So if I'm having trouble with my, but you feel alone because you're finding your answer on an internet and not a real person.
0: (laughs) Well, and that was exactly what I was going to say. I think that you just highlighted why it feels different because I think there is so much value that becomes from the one-to-one relationship, like human relationship with someone versus mm. the Googling on the internet or an a, a influencer you follow on Instagram. Like that is not as relatable as being in community physically yeah. with someone else. You know, you, you said like, why, like, why don't we feel that in communities anymore? I think a big part of it is because as women, you know, we have, gained so many rights, which is important. And we do not need to regress. I am not advocating for that. However, what comes with that is a lot of us like have Mm -hmm. moved away from home, right? And we have moved away from like more of these more traditional Mm -hmm. family structures that I think like our grandparents lived in, you know, it was very common, at least I can speak for my family. Like the woman stayed home and the man went and worked. So like the woman did the child rearing and like did all the coordinating and stuff. And that is not how we function. Like it is very common for, you know, a two income household or the female partner is the breadwinner. So like that puts a lot of stress on the woman to wear all of these different hats on top of the you know, on top of being a mom. So I think just the additional responsibilities, I guess as we're talking about this too, like I'm almost getting activated and angry thinking about how we're like putting so much of the responsibility on the woman too, when like in reality, someone else chose to have this baby with this person most likely. And what is their role in all of this? Like what is their role in creating the community? Because in my opinion, it shouldn't just be
1: on the mother to create it. Right, it's like, oh, you're planning on having a baby. Why don't you go and set this up for yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Figure it out. And you know, I I hate talking about so many problems without having a solution. And I think it'd be kind of fun to talk with you about, like, okay, what would the ideal solution kind of look like to you if you could create your ideal pregnancy and postpartum support system and like both. Mentally, physically, everything, what would it look like to you?
0: Well, first and foremost, I would love once a person finds out they're pregnant and kind of knows what birth plan they want to do, whether that's like in a hospital, in a birth center, at home, whatever it is, find your provider that you're going to feel safe with. Maybe that's an OB, maybe that's a midwife. But in that sort of like supportive perinatal package, I want an OB or midwife, I want a doula. I want a pelvic floor therapist and I want a mm-hmm. mental health provider. Mm-hmm. I want you to have that and yeah. like everybody to have that because all of that, that touches every area of the woman's physical and mental well-being—that mm-hmm. that is going to be touched in this process. I think if a, every woman had that type of support, we would be able to, Decrease so many instances of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, Mm -hmm. adjustment disorders, right? Because there would be so much preparation and so much support that even, okay, let's say even she did go through, you know, the worst of the worst. She has people that she's already created these trusting relationships with that she can be vulnerable with that are going to support her through it. So much of what I find is that women's symptoms are exacerbated because they feel Mm -hmm. so alone in them. But if we can just say, hey, no, we got you. You're going to go to this person for this and this person to this. And no matter what happens, we're going to be here. We're a wealth of knowledge and we got your back. How comforting is that to know I have people on my team who are going to kind of walk me through this? So I guess that's my like initial postpartum package. But if we're talking like ideal after that, I mean, I want 12 months paid leave (laughs) for both (laughs) my client and their partner. I want paid childcare till they're school aged by the mm-hmm. government. <laughs> I mean, those are obviously like bigger systemic issues, but that is my ideal package. I think that if more women felt supported in the ways that they're feeling so stretched now, like we can eliminate so many
1: mental health issues. Oh, in this country. It's kind of fun to kind of like, yeah, just mm-hmm. sit and think about.
0: Paint a picture of what it could and, be. And, you know, yeah. of
1: course, you know, Norway and Sweden are living this already, so we could always just ask them. But (laughs) I think, unfortunately, you know, we, again, with so many things in this country showing us that the mother is not of value, it's hard to even dream this up. But it's important to take those. And there's so many, there are so many grassroots movements that, and I will try to link them all up, the ones I can think of. And if you can think of any, just let me know, but that are fighting for paid Mm -hmm. leave for us that are, and you can become a part of this and feel, I think you feel so powerless. So I think to take back that power, you got to be part of something. And it might just be like, okay, you are just sending emails to your representatives, you know, like, and you don't have to be, I think some people will be like, I don't want to be political. I don't like politics, but you can't value yourself as a mother and other mothers without getting involved in politics because unfortunately there is so much, you know, in order to get paid leave, you need to go through all the hoops and the jumps that politics, you know, goes through.
0: And so, yeah. I would also argue that like choosing to have a baby is a political statement. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like it says a lot about what you value in this society. And we know that Politics all have their differing opinions around babies and having children. So I think you're making a statement by saying I'm I want to bring this life into this world and I want to be a a parent. That's a statement in and of itself.
1: No, absolutely, it it really is. And the other thing is, I guess we could talk about too. We are since we are in America and we do have all these problems. (laughs) What can we do? And again, I don't think this should just be on us. But somebody listening could say, oh, my friend is about to have a baby. Like, let me help her with this. Let me lay this out for her. What does this yeah. look like? And that would be such a cool gift. Like for a baby, baby shower gift, give them a basket that has a binder mm. in it. That's like, here's everything that you can do. Like, you know, that. reach out to people yeah. around you. And it could be like a printout of, okay. You know, this is going to be, these are going to be your meals. Like, or, you know, what I was thinking about the other day when I was putting together this meal trains, like, okay, you could prepare this woman for birth and be like, okay, what are your favorite meals? And then put together this big meal train that says like, okay, these are the family's favorite meals and who wants to pick a date? Obviously when the baby's born on that date, then you can kind of send it out, but just put together this binder of Mm -hmm. of like a community binder. And I don't know exactly what that would look like, but there's so many different things you can include in it, you know, research all the... Classes available in your area that would help support her throughout those first couple months. There was probably like a breastfeeding one or a mental health one, like all the things we discussed. Yeah, lactation. Yeah, all the thing. free yeah. classes and clinics around you, and so you could have that in there, and then you could have A list of support groups, right? Virtual yeah, or to like person. just make them feel a little bit like they have this support group. But like, what else would you suggest? for somebody that's either doing it for themselves or somebody that's helping them kind of create this community? Like, how can we cultivate that here, even though we don't have all of those resources that Norway or Sweden have?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, in general, like, it's really hard, first and foremost. like It is really hard. We're taught to act a certain way. And like, a lot of times these tendencies are just like Mm hardwired into our system. So rewiring them takes time, for sure. But I think when it comes to... I'm going to use the example of like how to be a friend to someone who recently mm-hmm. had a baby, right? I think just showing up without putting the burden on the the person the birthing person, right? Like they're tired. They don't want to make another decision right now, right? Like what you did by just making the meal plan and making the decision for that person was so valuable cuz you've eliminated that part of her mental load at that point. And maybe it's not food. Maybe it's just saying hey, I'm dropping off a DoorDash gift card in your mailbox. Mm -hmm. Use it for an upcoming meal. Or maybe it's saying, hey, I am going on your, if someone in the neighborhood, I'm going on a walk at 10 a.m. tomorrow. If Mm -hmm. you're free, join me. Just sort of those like opportunities for touch points that she doesn't feel obligated like she has to do, but the decision has already been made in a lot of ways. Like this is what I'm doing, but join me if you can. I find that especially in the early days, postpartum, there's so much decision making that like, you can't even think straight, right? Like you're in this days. So just kind of like taking that away. But I think as time goes on, and the birthing person, you know, gets more confident and gets into a little bit more of a groove and a routine. Part of how we cultivate that community is by putting Mm -hmm. ourselves out there, right? Like, you can't not make an effort if community is something that you want. I think that's a big barrier for people, right? They're like, well, why isn't my community? Where's my community? It's not just happening. And to the point we talked about earlier, like, there were inherently built Mm -hmm. communities back in the day, right? Like women didn't have to go out and look for them at much. And I, Mm -hmm. it's it's annoying. I mean, it is like, I totally, totally get it. It's different now. But I think every person's community looks different for them. Some people, you know, they really like their virtual community. So that's like an online support group, or they have like, A group of people on Instagram that they, you know, really like to follow that helps them feel connected. But I personally see in the work that I do that there is just so much value in like getting out Mm -hmm. of the home and being in company, three D, in our bodies with other people. There's something that that interaction just does for people that you you
1: can't always get. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to replace. That in-person connection, I think the research kind of shows us that too. It's like, yeah, one hundred percent, being yeah. with another human, and even just in silence, is just so much more powerful than any connection that you can make virtually. And you know, again, with it, it, it is great to have these things at our fingertips and to be able to go quickly online and be like, "What if my kid has green poop?" You know, and find out why. Right? I think yeah. that's lovely. I think that's great. <laughs> But there's obviously limitations to this and um, sometimes it's an information overload and sometimes it's just that, you know, sometimes it does make us even more lonely. This podcast episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze. Did you know that the amount of plastic that is actually recycled is only around 5%? The vast majority of the plastic that people place into their blue recycling bins ends up in landfills and not reused. This is because many of them do not meet the threshold of being recyclable according to certain standards. This is even more of a reason to switch over to EarthBreeze laundry sheets and ditch your large plastic containers of laundry detergent. The laundry sheets will arrive at your doorstep in a small box that looks like a box of dryer sheets. The packaging is lightweight and biodegradable. To give you an idea of how much space you would save in your laundry room, you can fit 720 loads of sheets where you used to fit just one 60-load detergent jug. Each sheet is a liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle. Just toss that sheet in with your laundry and you're good to go. No mess with the liquid detergent. My favorite part is that it makes it much easier for our kids to do their own laundry now. They can throw their laundry in with a sheet and voila, it's done. I just restocked our laundry sheets and purchased both the scented and unscented. The unscented sheets are great for our daughter's sensitive skin. These sheets are hypoallergenic and dermatologist tested, so you don't need to worry about it affecting anyone's skin when you switch over. Earth Breeze is compatible with high efficiency washers, gray water systems, and septic safe for those of you that have a septic system like us. You can set up a flexible subscription that is easily adjustable and can be paused or canceled at any time. I love that we no longer have to buy those large plastic jugs that take up space in our laundry room, and this makes it much easier for our kids to help us do the laundry. This is just another way to help our environment, which is so incredibly important right now. Try Earth Breeze risk free. They will give you a full refund if you are not satisfied with the product. No questions asked. Switch from the old fashioned goo to something new. Right now, my listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay, that's L Y N Z Y, to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay, L Y N Z Y, for 40% off. Have you heard of the Peanut app? I've heard of it. I have not ever used it. So, there's a lot
0: of women here in Chicago that will use it. It is a paid app, but it's nice for like new moms to find other moms in their area, mm-hmm. whether that's like meeting up together at a park or like a local coffee shop, and it's it allows you kind of like filter what you're looking for, but it does match you with other moms who've had kids around your age, the same age oh, as your cute. child. Yeah. Which is, I think is, you know, to your point about is my kid's green poop? Okay. Like you're going through similar mm-hmm. things that often at similar stages. And I think it's really helpful to find other moms that are either the same age as your kid or the same age as you. Because I think sometimes if I actually find a lot of value in like intergenerational relationships. I think there's so much that happens in that dynamic but especially for like the very very early the early months
1: postpartum it can be helpful to find other people your age with kids yeah and that is like one of the things i feel like i heard a lot when i was on social media and talking to moms uh-huh. was that i feel really lonely and i don't know how to make friends now like i you're in this new part of your life and making friends becomes really difficult So do you have any tips for somebody that might feel like, okay, I just had this baby or I've had my second or third baby and I don't have any friends around me that I know that have kids yet? Yeah. And what can I do about that? Yeah. I think before
0: trying to add another thing on your plate to like meet other parents, first, take a second and take an inventory of like what you are doing, right? Are you sending your kids to daycare? Is that a community you feel connected to? Are you spiritual? Are you part of a church community, right? Like, is that a place where you feel like there's other parents that you can relate to? Do you like to work out? Are there like local Mm -hmm. workout classes that you already kind of participate in and maybe can invest a little bit more into like creating relationships with people? I think the biggest thing is you have to recognize like it is going to take effort. This isn't, it isn't something that's just going to happen. And something i said earlier, right, was this idea of like vulnerability. I think the way we create intimate relationships with other moms is by being vulnerable, right? Like sharing about yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, my kid fell on his head, like has that ever happened to you? I think this is how we relate to people and build relationships with depth. Vulnerability allows us to take that friendship to a more meaningful level. So I I encourage people to just take an inventory of what they're already doing because they're probably doing a lot before considering like, okay, I need to join this play group or put my kid in this other activity. I find too that before kids become school age, women struggle a lot more to build this community versus when they are in school. Do you
1: see that as well? Yeah, I think that's just because of your... The overlap of just, you know, having to go in and for certain activities and meeting parents, it's, it's just like an, it's a carefree, easy way to meet other parents and your children kind of automatically kind of fall into these certain friendships with kids. And so you'll reach out to that parent because of that. And yeah. I think having your kid almost do that little bit of legwork for you, almost right. Like they're <laughs> making that friendship with the child first. Yeah, kind of alleviates some of the stress and anxiety that might be on your end as the as the mom. You know, yep. yeah, I think so. It becomes easier. But like you said, so a few things, and I think the financial, the economical aspect of this mm-hmm. is tough, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're already struggling, it can be very hard. You have to find free things, which again. <laughs> very difficult to find obviously your public library would be the first place i would suggest great idea they do offer free classes usually uh, the ones all around here do and you know depending on your kids age there's always something for some age and you can easily meet people that way and that might be it. you don't even have to like if you're somebody that kind of struggles with like that anxiety of I don't know. I don't, you know, meeting new people is tough for you. Mm -hmm. Just show up and play with your kid, you know? And you don't, you can just say, okay, I'm going to go to this. Give yourself the opportunity to just not talk to anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to go to this and chat with anyone. I just want to go there and have fun with my kid. And you might be surprised. Like somebody might just, you know, come up to you and say, oh, hey, how old is your little one? They look like they're the same age. Like you don't know what will happen.
0: I find too, uh, another free resource is like, if you go to a local park, frequenting it at the same time every day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I find that like you go right, it's part of your routine. And if you notice other moms kind of going at the same time, it is a way, oh, like, oh, your kids are playing on the swing together or whatever. Mm -hmm. It is a nice way, even if that person doesn't become a friend, like you can just feel like you're having that interaction with another mom. Yeah, cuz those are also meaningful relationships as well even if they don't
1: transform into something deeper. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you are someone who has budgeted and you're you have that income where you can send your kid, I mean even if it's one or two days a week, you know, say they're a little bit older, obviously you're not going to do this when they're a newborn, right? But, you know, say your child's one or two and you can send them to any nearby like preschool mm. right or any type of childcare just so that they can kind of get that that opportunity to be with kids their age and that gives you even one day a week that gives you time to go do something for yourself whatever that looks like to you that you might like to do and you can meet people through that as well yeah and i think so much of the time i have so many people that I know that have said to me, well, I don't need to do that because I'm not working. You deserve time for yourself. And I don't know if you want to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper from like your perspective with mental health. But I think, again, I think this is something that's like societal that tells us, oh, well, if you're not working, you need to be with your children twenty four 24/7. And that to me is Incredibly toxic, <laughs> so toxic and can make you almost it, it can just take away the joy of motherhood and parenting mm-hmm. because yeah. that is not your full-time job. you get to have you get to recognize and go back to who you were before you were a mom too mm-hmm. you know and if you lose track of that, it's it can be kind of disastrous, right and yeah. So yeah. if you want to kind of touch on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I think we have to think about like where that narrative comes from, right? Which is this idea that we only see value in roles and jobs that bring financial or monetary reward to a family unit, which is just so wildly horrible and incorrect. But I think that narrative is so loud for women who decide or, or parents in general that decide that they want to stay home. hmm I strongly and wholeheartedly believe choosing to stay home and raise kids is the hardest job anybody in the entire world has. Honestly, I think Mm -hmm. that you give so much of yourself in that process. And what happens is you often neglect yourself. So what happens is if you don't pour into your cup in some capacity, whether that's taking a day off, going to see friends, showering, feeding yourself, right? Like you will not be able to show up as the mother, the partner, the parent, the friend, the coworker that you want, right? Like we have to reframe why it's important to fill up our cup. And that looks different for everyone. Like I have clients Mm -hmm. who love to get their nails done and get their hair done. And I have other ones that are like, that is not for me. I just Mm -hmm. need like an hour a day to go in nature and read my book So like whatever it is for you, it has to be prioritized in some sense. But the very first step is breaking down this narrative and discovering for you like why this is a barrier. Why do you feel like you are not worthy of taking time for yourself? Because unless we do that work, we won't be able to make space and decide how we can move forward from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I also want to just note one thing, like when we talk about ways to cultivate friendships, like I'm thinking of more like the parents that are working. A lot of times, depending on who you work for, there might be spaces within the work community for like working parents that a lot of people find helpful, or there's resources that you can take advantage of that maybe you couldn't before you have kids. So just something to consider or look into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at, circling back around to what you said about parenting being the most hardest thing you'll oh. ever do. Like, I, and hopefully this will validate somebody listening. If I were looking at somebody who was staying home full time with their kids and, you know, pouring their whole heart into that and looked at somebody who, You know, was working full time, CEO, whatever it was. And not that that's all, that's also, I mean, kudos, like, amazing to be a woman CEO. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's like something to be very proud of. We need those people too. But that person who is staying home with their kids 24 7 and doing a damn good job raising them, I bow down to that. (laughs) I know. I like, as a mom of four, I could. I'm telling you right now, I could never do it. Mm. I could never stay home 24-7 and take care of my kids. I know that doesn't fill my cup up. I know that about myself. And for many years, I felt very bad about that. But I've worked myself out of that. And actually, I'm reading a book right now that she, ha- she was the same way. She had six kids. She was a physician. And she talks What's about the, the book? same. So it's, it's by Gla- Dr. Gladys McCre- McCreary. Okay. she's 102 years old hold on let me look up the actual oh my God, legend oh my gosh i'm i'm going to be interviewing her on my podcast so she <gasps> sent me her book yeah it's called the well-lived life and she's 102 okay. years old she was born born in india moved here visited kind of frequently as a kid with her parents. Her parents were also physicians and they worked alongside like people in the Indian villages that didn't have any medical care and they served them. Like it's, she's, it's, it's incredible. That's so cool. It's so cool. So what she talks about is she was working full time while she had all these kids <laughs> and neighborhood would watch them. Neighbors would watch them. Okay. So we're talking about somebody yeah. who had like six kids And she talks about how she would go to work and her patience and her drive for what her passion was in life helped feed her and give her the energy she needed to go home and then take – and then going home and taking care of her six kids helped fill her cup and get her ready to go back to work. So it was almost this cycle of like filling my cup here and then filling my – and so I always think about that now. Like I – I mean, I'm just reading it now, but I'm like, that is like such an incredible, like I feel like she described me and I don't work full time, but I try to work at least one 12 hour shift a week sometimes too, if I can. And that, and these podcasts, you know, like this fills my cup and gets me energized to be a mom and to, and then, and then in turn being a mom and being able to spend time with my kids and laughing with them and playing with them and doing all the things helps feed my cup to bring me into you know this work mode and it's like this this balance and there are so there's you know there are people that i know that are amazing at doing the 24/7 mm. mom job and they feel very balanced being there right mm-hmm. but we are yeah. all different and we are all going to find that balance somewhere somewhere. And some some people see that and they're like, no, there's nothing I want in this in this world more than to be at home with the kids. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to go to work. I don't want that for myself. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that's great. And I really, I mean, I admire you more than anybody else in this oh, world so because sweet. it is crazy, right? I It's hard. It's so hard. And I think
0: to your point, like any way you draw it up, it's hard right? Like every situation is hard in its own way. And I thank you for being so vulnerable because I know that that's going to validate someone else's experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we know this. I think we know it. But then to hear it, it's like, yes, like, thank you for again, we talk about that vulnerability, like that's how you create connection. And, and I think that there is not one right way to go about it. And you have to evaluate what's right for you personally, what's right for your family and your you know, your, your kids and your personal goals. But I think when it comes to just like overall supporting your mental health, parenthood and heart is general. There's, you don't need to navigate it on your own. So mm-hmm. like outside of the friendship support, therapists are a great support. Like I am obviously very biased, but I do think it, it's a unique perspective to, to get you know we don't give advice but we offer supportive reflection from it's mm-hmm. from a third party you know someone that doesn't completely know your your circle and can offer you just like sage sort of reflection but mm-hmm. i think that's where therapy can be really beneficial when it comes to just navigating like mental health
1: yeah yeah and i think that's another thing we can add into the postpartum bucket of things that we need and insurance needs to cover is like at least one visit oh, to But that's a not even enough, Lindsay. I know. Okay, we gotta start somewhere.
0: I will say, <laughs> at least in Illinois, like insurance has come a long way. I think there's a lot a lot of insurances here that do reimburse for for mental health. I think mm-hmm. the challenge is more on like my side on the provider side, it's like accurate compensation based on our degree and our training. I don't think that's matched up to like kind of where we're at, right? Like valuing mental health Mm. and how much providers deserve to be compensated for that. But from a reimbursement perspective, a a lot of insurances at this point are, are covering at least a portion of it. So definitely I encourage people to like, whether they're pregnant or postpartum, like call that number on the back of your card, that behavioral health number, see what your benefits are. Maybe they're covered in full. I always say, if you had a kid this year, you have met your deductible, like take advantage of those benefits. If you don't, then what's your out of network cost? All therapists yeah. will be able to provide something called the super bill that can go towards your out of network costs. Some therapists offer sliding scale right? so you don't have to pay the full mm-hmm. fee. There are options for people
1: yeah absolutely. I do wish yeah it's it's crazy to me all the hoops you have to jump through like i had I saw a therapist a few years ago, and it was out of most are out of network over here. Mm-hmm. I haven't i mean there might be a few, but of course there's like
0: every state's kind of different,
1: yeah, and you know the ones that are in network I have found are you know the wait list is oh, sure. very long, and I just wish they made it easier, right? Like here's your insurance and here's who you can go to, yeah. uh, to have to go and then pay and then make sure that you're reimbursed. All of those things, they take time, they take energy. And, and, and at the end of the day, most people are going to be like, forget it. Yeah. You know, like I have to jump. Out. Yeah. I have to jump through all these hoops just to get the care I need. Like forget it. Yeah. And when it comes to mental health, it's different than physical health in that, with physical health, something ails you and I don't know, you go to the bathroom and you, it burns when you pee, you you straight up, you go and see someone, right? You're not going to sit on that. You're yep. not going to be like, oh, it burns when I pee and this sucks. Uh, I'll just wait it out. No, <laughs> you go and you get treatment. Yes. With mental health- It's invisible. The problem is it's, so it's invisible and you, yeah. you know, and especially as a mom, you're, you know, and- I think we've all done this where we're like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'll just, tomorrow will be better. I'll feel better tomorrow. And oh, once I get out of this phase, I'll feel fine. And once I start sleeping, I'll be fine. And once they're not teething, I'll be fine. And it's just this constant, like, fake reassurance of it'll be better when, if, you know? And what that line of thinking is it robs us of the joy now, right? Yeah.
0: We can't be present when we're thinking about the next thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just like you go and you get your well, not everyone does, but you're supposed to get a physical exam every year, right? And just a oh, checkup. check out the amount.
0: Friends and clients that don't do that. I mean I know.
1: No one I holds know. us accountable for it. No, I know. No. And I, I feel like medical providers in general are probably the worst. But uh-huh. speaking <laughs> from a PA. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But you have to do the same for your mental health. And I, you know, I hope I do feel like we are talking more and more about it. And hopefully people feel uh, more and more confident to seek the care that they need. But, you know, it's so, it's just, it's just so important. And I, I wish it was easier to access than it is. Yeah. There are a couple like online options now, aren't there though? Like that make it pretty easy. I will say though,
0: like I, I don't from a, ethical perspective, I don't think that they're as quality as finding uh, a provider who, you know, is specialized. Like I think especially for this population, like finding someone who's specialized is so important. I think it can be a really nice intro for people if they've never done therapy and kind of want to know what it's about. But I think you're talking about like the better help, like things like that. Yeah, yeah. I personally, I feel like people find me after experiences with that. Again, I think there's a time and place for it, and I think it's increased accessibility to care for a lot of people. But I, I also find that it often isn't the the best match. Mm-hmm. But virtual has increased access for a lot of people, right? Yes, that was definitely yeah. a testament of COVID, and for better or for worse, it's increased accessibility to care and like. That's what's really helpful about the population we work with, right? Like you're newly postpartum, your nipples are hurting, and you don't want to leave the house. Well, yeah, you can stay home, and you can nurse on camera while we chat, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. isn't a barrier to this care anymore, which is great.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we're running out of time. I'm always so surprised at how quickly this happens. I'm always like, how has it already been? to talk about. That's why. <laughs> and then I was just like briefly going through the list of questions. I'm like, we didn't really touch on yeah. really any of them. Okay. Um, we still talked about know, important I think, things. Exactly. Exactly. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on?
0: I don't think so. I guess I just really want to emphasize that, you know, like I said earlier, as a society, we put so much emphasis on the child and the baby and something that I strongly believe in my core and that, we believe and preach at my practice is, you deserve to be held just as much as your baby. Mm-hmm. Whether that means you're in therapy or seeking support in some capacity, like you don't go by the wayside just because you had a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's
1: just like a big point that I want to make sure people take away. Yes. Yes. All right. So I have two questions for you unrelated to the topic. The first question is, if you could give one piece of advice for moms, what would it be? I
0: mean, along the vein of what we talked about today, I think community and friendships is how you get through parenthood. So create that village for yourself. It's okay if it's a slow start, but I think creating community that you feel safe with, physically, mentally, spiritually, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: outside of your partner and your family of origin is such an important part of just growing in motherhood.
1: Yes. And last question, this is my favorite. If you could make one meal for your family that everyone would eat that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be?
0: (sighs) Probably not the healthiest, but probably just... Pasta with ground beef and rouse tomato sauce. <laughs> I mean,
1: I think that's helpful. <laughs> it's it's
0: a good balance. Yeah. But I find that it, everybody likes it. Everybody eats it. There's always leftovers. Nobody's complaining about having to eat.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're on like day three of that, except for we didn't have any ground beef. So I just called it a day and it's just pasta. Yeah. <laughs> totally you know fine. Didn't do the grocery
0: shopping this week. It is just We place. use Rouse for everything in my house. Pizza, toast. It's like, do you know what I'm talking about? That pasta yeah.
1: sauce, Rouse? I do. Yeah. yeah, they have it at Costco in like yes. a double. Yeah. 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 stock up too. <laughs> yep. Uh, Costco is forever my savior because it means I don't have to go to the grocery store nearly as often. I mean, obviously produce is kind of like, you know, yeah. sometimes That's that tough. gets tricky, but yeah. Yeah. Family of sex, Costco. Smart. 100% for everything, for everything. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for taking the time out of your day to talk about this and to dream about, you know, what our ideal motherhood experience would be.
0: (laughs) I appreciate you and I appreciate our time together. Yes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for hanging out with us today.